And, you know, I, I think the most important thing I figured out is that I don't just want to wake up to survive. I want to live. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. Uh, if you're somebody who, you know, listens on their commute for a couple yuck yucks on your way home or while you're doing dishes or something, this might not be the episode for you. <laughs> this might be a little different, a little more serious. My movie this episode is Ginger from 2019. And my guest, I've had uh, film directors on. I've had film writers on. Uh, I've never had actors on. My guest this episode, Susan Gordon, the star of Ginger. How are you, ma'am? I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me to your show. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah, we're usually a little more, Haha, this movie sucks. Look at that guy. Bah, boom, Mike. Bah. But this will be a little different, I think. Uh, and I also usually, people know I go a little more kind of beat by beat through the plot. Um, and I don't think that'll be necessary for this one because it's okay. It's not a terribly plot heavy movie. It's uh, you know more of a character piece, uh, an emotional piece. But I do. There's yeah. definitely some stuff I want to touch on and get your take on, as you know, someone boots on the ground, as they say. Mm -hmm. uh, I was directed by Melissa and Jimmy Boratin. Am I saying that right? I you know that's funny. I think it's Boratin, <laughs> but I've never really asked. Because it's spelled like like <laughs> like Borat, and then Lion. Boratin. Boratin. I don't know, Jimmy. When you listen to this, you can tell me later. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, a movie that I quite enjoyed. A lot. I get a lot of very low, you know, low budget shot on video movies for this show, just because of its random nature, and that's usually not a good thing <laughs> for me. <laughs> but this was quite lovely. And I think there's, yeah, there's a lot to talk about and kind of, I don't want to get all after school special, but this is kind of an important episode. <laughs> I mean, I'm usually talking about flippity gibbet bullshit, but this is, you know, this is serious shit. So mm -hmm. you play Margaret Mathis, but she doesn't go by that. She goes by Ginger. Yes. I even forgot her name was Margaret for a second. <laughs> it only gets referenced like two or three times in the movie and everybody. Literally, yeah. Ginger. Which is also very important because, and we'll get to it, but her hair is such a fundamental kind of part of who she is that her, she gets her name from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, her nickname. Yeah, that'll be pretty important later on. I got to give you kudos right off the top for some outstanding physical comedy in the beginning of this movie between the toothbrushing on the toilet and then the eating the breakfast burrito in the lobby of the job interview and cramming it. It's so goddamn funny. Thank you. So Jimmy will laugh at this, but he always makes fun of me because I wrote in my little binder. Cause you know, I put my script in my binder and I would write by scenes, whether it's funny or if it's not funny. <laughs> and I wrote next to those two scenes, funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you nailed it. So Good yeah. notes. Ginger has a best friend, Bree. Uh, there'll be another friend who comes along, Frisbee Ben, who's a just a nice boy. A nice, nice boy, nice hair. Yeah. Semi-platonic semi boy, mostly platonic boy. I think they have their kind of moment where maybe something's going to happen and then it kind of doesn't. And then maybe they just don't get back to it. I don't know. We don't see, but 
I don't know if you have thoughts on whether oh um well, become an Melissa, item later. Melissa didn't want to have a love story in it because it's about ginger and not yeah. about that. Um, I think she, I mean, she and Jimmy were like married when they made the movie and they were very much so in love. Um, but she was like very adamant since it was a empowerment story for women or just people, female bodied people that she wanted it to be more about her journey with herself than a love story. For sure. Yeah. We should mention to, for people who don't, and please watch the movie before you listen to this for God's sake. But for people who don't know, it's not, not a one for one sort of, is it biopic or I always say biopic, but I hear people say biopic. I think I, I have know. no idea. Again, I maybe <laughs> I need to ask Jimmy. No, I'm <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not a one for one translation of Melissa's life per se, but it's definitely her story. She was going through treatment for breast cancer while making the movie, mm-hmm. and lived to see the movie come out, which is that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I'm toured with it. You hear actors talk about in interviews and stuff about how like, oh, I feel if I'm playing someone who's a real person, even somebody like Lincoln or somebody who's been dead for hundreds of years, you know, but especially someone who's still around, they feel this great weight of responsibility to like nail it and do it right. You know, now that has to be immensely amplified for you who has the person you're more or less portraying on set with you every day and directing you. That must have been uh, extremely unnerving <laughs> yeah um it was very i wouldn't say unnerving i yeah, think that's a bad, that's a... i would well whatever it was a lead-in to what i want to say um i considered it an honor um sure. and i'm very grateful for the experience it definitely aged me fast i don't know how to explain that but it did i was like 22 when i was cast in the role so now I, we shot it like seven years ago, right? I think I was turning 23 that summer. So I'm 20, I'm turning 30 this year. So I think we shot that in 2016. Um, We shot the film and then they edited it and it came out in 2019. So like, what was crazy is I feel like I was very innocent, kind of like Ginger is or Melissa was when she got diagnosed. And like, it wasn't that I, it wasn't that I had cancer that like, I, I did, I did, I never had it um, at all. So I can't ever, you know, but I will say that like being asked to honestly express that experience for the sake of others at such a young age, I like, especially at that time, I didn't really go to therapy or anything. Right. I didn't know how to talk about feelings with in that, in a healthy way or process them. So yeah, it was very important that I experienced that. And then also it was a growing experience. I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's, it does, there's no words for it. I don't know. How, like, no, I a hundred percent get exactly what you're saying. But yeah. Just that feeling of uh, like, I really have, like, she's looking at me. She's right over there. <laughs> like I need to. That. <laughs> it, that was never my thought. I feel like someone else would definitely have that thought. It was more of like, I'm more of like, put it on well yes of course her but she felt like someone was like she was working with me to help tell the story so she never felt like on set at least someone I needed to really impress it was more of like 
we were doing this all together all at once and it was very chaotic and we shot a lot every day. So we couldn't really think about anything, but when I would be prepping, that would be when I would think that way, you know, does that make sense when you're alone and you're sure preparing? Yeah. That's just, that would, that's an interesting experience that I think a lot of actors probably don't have to slash get to go through, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not, Not very often. No. Yeah, Ginger's a real, you know, I wouldn't even say flighty necessarily, but she's a she's a 22-year-old, 25-year-old girl, you know? She hasn't really figured herself out quite yet. She has a, I don't know, what, situationship maybe with almost Dr. Steve? I love almost Dr. Steve. I love that she calls him almost Dr. Steve. <laughs> yeah, because he's at medical school. And sort of in bad post-coital, why did I use that word? I hate that word. Because you're on the spot. It's a good anyway, description. Keep going. But um, he feel, and this is probably a situation that has actually happened in real life a number I of know, times. I, I don't know. You know, I, I have this slight memory of hearing the story about how she found it, but I would do research and look it up because Melissa knows more than I know. I have my own, you know, I had to use the script sure. to figure that out for my character, but like, I have this distant memory, but anyway, keep going. I don't know. <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm betting in, in real life, there are a number of lumps that have been discovered by not someone feeling themselves, but by their partner. Or, oh, wow, going, yeah. What is that? What is that? That feels weird, you know? And yeah, mm-hmm. almost, almost Dr. Steve feels a lump in her breast and is like, hmm, that's, that could be a cyst or something. You should go get that checked out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't think much of it because you're young and you're invincible, you know? And yeah. because, because there's, a, yeah, there's a lot of movies about cancer, but this is a movie about, sort of young cancer like is young onset is that that is that the right phrase or um yeah i i also want to put this out there i don't know if you've noticed but a lot of cancer films are not from the perspective of the person going through it a lot of the times it's about people who are watching their loved ones and i think that's why this story is so important because melissa told her story and it's like giving a voice to the person that is always like watched going through it and never heard you know, like that, yeah. that's why I just feel very grateful to have been able to do it. 100%. Yeah. And it's not, I don't I mean, remember I'm, what I'm you kidding. said before that. What did you say before <laughs> that? I was just saying that there's the age factor. There's a lot of movies because oh, yeah. the anticipation Mil- yeah. for people is that, oh, cancer. Yeah. Cancer's a thing. But when I'm like 70, right. Yeah. But when you're mm-hmm. 25 and you can't like that's I mean, people even younger than that get it. I mean, there's a whole St. Jude's Children's Hospital is just for children, know, okay, yeah. you know? It's fucking sad. And it's why they, we know there's no God because <laughs> why would that happen? Yeah, so she goes and gets a biopsy done. There, there's a nurse there who's, that, that's a cool scene where the nurse is like, you are, I can't give you a x-ray. You're too young to have radiation. <laughs> like, this is crazy what I'm doing right now. I'm sure, I think that did happen in real life. That did, which is crazy. And our girl, Ginger, gets phone calls at the most, I, I think that's kind of the point of it is you expect, you know, in movies, you're going to get a call at like just the right most dramatic moment. But Ginger gets very important phone calls in the most mundane. That's funny. You know, like she's riding her bike to work, smoking a cigarette, gets to the boutique she works at with her shit boss, who's a real, real terrible person. <laughs> a real and- person. Real person, Melissa. Uh, Melissa found out she had cancer, and she was working at Starbucks. And then, like, 
her manager was like, you're not coming in for your shift. Like that was real. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, I figured there was a grain of truth in it, but it's still just unfathomable to think that someone could be that self-centered. I don't know, but. Well, I've seen a lot of Karen videos at this point. I'm not too surprised. (laughs) Yeah, she's just getting to work, parking her bike, gets the phone call that, or I guess she hasn't gotten the biopsy. She just said, actually, now she gets the call that she needs to go get a biopsy, which is heart sickening. I mean, she starts to have a little bit of a panic attack because that's not news anyone wants to hear. That's a scary, scary word, biopsy. Mm -hmm. And of course, her mom, being her mom, immediately finds out. And I love her relationship with her mom because it's a very 25-year-old woman's relationship with her mom where, oh my God, my mom is such a hovering, annoying person who's always in my hair about everything. But she is the person who, at the end of the day, when you're frightened or you're, you know, she's still who you call and say, yeah, please meet true. me at the hospital, you know? I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and her mom's busting her chops about what she eats and all, you know. Yeah, I think that I had a fun time with Deborah. Oh my goodness, I think her last name is Reeds. I, I'm friends with her on Facebook, but I only look at her first name. You know what's crazy? My personal experience with my mom is like very little like that. Like she can be hovery, but not really at all. It's very rare. She probably is listening to this one day and is gonna be like, <laughs> liar, you hate it when I ask you questions. Hi, mom. But I guess what my thought on that was, I I like how it illustrates the want of freedom when you're, excuse me, I burped it, um, freedom when you're that age and then you slowly are losing your ability to be autonomous. Like, I feel like you're going to get to it because you're going through the beats of the film, but it's like being willing to ask for help at that age too, when you're just finally got to be on your own For sure, is like, really hard and I think that's a great setup to that you know like not wanting to live with her mom because she found out this news and being like I can figure this out on my own because she just got out on her own and then like that's so frustrating can you imagine that like I would be uh I guess I did imagine that because that's my job but still (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know I have uh, I love I love my parents I love my father I love my mother but I, I've had people tell me like, oh, I feel sorry for you that like your parents don't live near, like that they live so far away. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't. I'm so glad that my parents can't just pop over to my house whenever they goddamn feel like it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm practically an old man now. Like I don't, I'll call them when I want to talk to them and that's enough, you know? <laughs> and you'll visit. <laughs> and I figured that out a long time ago. Some people are very, very, very close. And- Italians. I don't know maybe keep that in the podcast let's see if i get canceled okay don't keep that in the podcast (laughs) (laughs) let's see now it's doubled down so it's extra funny if i keep it in there's a bit of and i think this is an interesting also another kind of real world thing that i wonder if was a realization melissa had about herself was the trying to get healthy after the fact like you just you're worried about this biopsy you haven't been healthy You've been eating like just a pig garbage person in your bed for the last five years, you know, and, but you hear, you got to get a biopsy and suddenly she starts to do yoga and go for jogs. And, you know, like, it's really kind of trying to close the barn door after the horse got out kind of mentally, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. It, you hit the nail on the head. That's definitely 
what Melissa experienced and complained about because you know when you take certain meds you can't eat certain things like I think I saw Jimmy at a, a, a birth family's uh, friend's birthday party for their kid and uh, he was like certain medications wouldn't allow Melissa to eat grapefruit and you would just you're just like you don't realize like thing like nobody likes grapefruit but like the fact that you have this like you can't have this thing because it will literally cancel out all of the meds you're taking to make yourself be like just get better or hopefully get better is like nuts to me and then they're like also like 23 you don't want to be eating good do you remember those times when you could eat like really bad and then you know it didn't matter oh that's still like that was <laughs> really oh i can't eat bad i feel like crap if i eat bad now like, i'm 40 I just... i'm 45 you know what i had today two chimichangas no. that's all i've eaten today <laughs> Well, well, were they chicken? No, not at all. I love chicken, <laughs> chimichangas. So, yeah, I'm one to talk is all I'm saying. <laughs> and again, she's in the bathroom at work when she gets the call that the results of the biopsy are in and she definitely has cancer. And it's a very cool scene where she, from the bathroom, is texting Bree and Bree's out working in front of the boutique. And Bree, of course, assumes she's fucking around in there because she hasn't told anyone any of this her mom's the only one who even knows that she went in to have anything checked out but brie goes into the bathroom with her and they're crying together and you have and you're i don't know if it's embarrassing to you to have someone <laughs> you know praising you to your face but it's such it's you did a wonderful job it's a very great performance in that scene because brie is crying to herself like oh shit my friend has cancer how do i even talk to her about this and Ginger isn't talking even necessarily about her diagnosis itself. She's Ginger's very, Ginger's very much like Spider-Man, jokes in the face of danger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she's, that's, yeah, that's her personality. That's kind of, I added a lot to the script. Um, I'm like a train, like I started acting and improv. That's I came to Chicago to be a comedian, and then I was cast in Ginger, and that kind of changed my trajectory for my career path like I'm I don't even give a shit about comedy as much anymore. I love comedy I'm just like I would I'm a storyteller now now I really want to just it could be funny it could be anything I if it matters I want to be a part of it it's kind of my philosophy now and I I definitely added that bikini joke because I I'm that's how I deal with like I have a tattoo that I literally just got last two weeks ago and it's like the universe is chaos so laugh to clear the lump in your throat is the tattoo I got and so like I just I only got cast in the role because I was just making jokes the whole time and I think Melissa saw herself in that because she always was she was trying to make the experience when things really are terrible you just gotta laugh like you know like what else can you do you have no control and after that, you're just like, ha ha it up. And I think, I, I ultimately think that's why we clicked and why I was cast is because we have that similar reaction to things like, like I'm not, a, I'm not someone who won't feel things fully because we all accidentally do regardless of whether we repress it or not, it comes out. But I just remember like being young and just being like, I don't, if you get this news, like, you're kind of out of your body right and you kind of right. go wah 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 which is what melissa told me and then you're also just like 
it's weird that the doctor's on a vacation and is just like on this sunny beach wearing a bikini. And it's just like, I'm in this bathroom that smells like poop. And, you know, I have cancer. Like, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's funny. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I think I added that myself, that bikini joke, but I don't know. I can't remember it, the other parts. Whatever combination of script and improv that was, it's, it's, a, it's a great, great scene. Mom shows up at her place, is trying to pack a bag for her, like, oh, you're coming to live with me. You can't, you can't stay here and take care of yourself if you're going to get chemotherapy. And of course, Ginger pushes back on that. Like, stop it. You know, I can absolutely handle this by myself. But she will continue to believe up until the moment that she can't. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sucks. And nice boy, Ben. So Ben calls Ginger when Ginger is drinking to forget i guess <laughs> like you know it doesn't. Drown, drown, drowning her sorrows and is trying to carry on a kind of one-sided drunk conversation with her but realizes that she's in a bad place and not looking to come over and take advantage not look like he's just a nice boy he's not trying to hook up or anything he brings her those do exist dog. nice boys do exist it's true you gotta look hard but, <laughs> but yeah because there are a bunch of creepos but there's some that do exist but he brings instead of bringing over his penis he brings over a nice dog a cute little doggy to cheer her up and they sit around and drink with this dog and it's another fun scene of just yeah seeing good people rally around this girl at her darkest moments you know mm-hmm. ben also takes her wig shopping and they have a conversation about their fathers gingers is around but distant you know ben's died a while ago and he still seems kind of affected by it like he still gets real somber about it so they have kind of a bonding moment over that i think that maybe he i mean just to solidify that choice for that scene the scene i I wonder if he was triggered you know like like if you're right by it it's gonna remind you what it feels like then we have another thing i like about this is I think in other, air quotes, cancer movies, you would have, you would spend a great deal of time on the, on the chemotherapy and what it does to you. And Ginger, I wouldn't say that it breezes past it, but it's all the chemo stuff is kind of just in a montage because we have kind of more important things to talk about than the, you know, the, the hard facts of like, what is this? What's this chemical? What's this? It's more about how it affects the people around her. So that all the chemo stuff is kind of just in a quick montage so we can get back to, I don't want to say more interesting things, but, you know, sort of more the meat of the personal stuff. than. I think that they made that choice in, in the editing in post because I think we had a lot more medical stuff. I, I don't remember quite why they did that. I think maybe to just be tell the human side, you know, but like both are important, like um, for the movie. Melissa and Jimmy took me to a chemo session, right? Which is important for me to be a part of and to experience. And it's it's not about, like, it, it is about that. And that's so important, but it's also about the person. I do like the way you worded it better than how I'm wording it right now. Um, but I think there were some scenes that were taken out or shortened or made into a montage because of just time and also just like, you can show that in a montage and then get back to the story, you know? It's like a part of it, but. Are you somebody who hates to see themselves on the screen 
Um, or ordinarily, or, or specifically with this movie, because it's such a personal, you know. Yeah. Like how how long has it been since you sat down and watched this movie? I always watch it on Melissa's anniversary of her death okay. for myself. Um, I think the last time I watched it was then. <laughs> okay. So, but like I, I don't. I hated watching this movie in the theaters. I never. We've always just went out and just if there was like wine or something, we'd go and get a drink or food and we'd let everybody else watch it. And it's so funny because when you do the Q and A, everybody's crying, but you're just fine. Cause you like went out and did nothing to do with this stuff. And we would be like, Oh, we have to be serious now. Yeah. Cause everybody else is crying in this theater, which is valid. Um, <laughs> I can usually as an actor, I'm, I'm pretty decent about watching my work uh, because I'm an editor. I'm a film editor too and you just kind of get used to it to practice but this movie and i don't watch it in full like sure i'll watch snippets for like my website you know making a website i'm gonna put it in my reel like you know i'll watch it for my purposes of that but yeah i do not watch this on the reg no that makes sense <laughs> i could see how that would not be for a number of reasons not a lot of fun to just yeah also it'd probably be you know if you if you sat and watched yourself constantly it would that would be weird i'm not so. bojack horseman okay <laughs> <laughs> who is bojack horseman <laughs> she quits the boutique in pretty spectacular fashion because again her boss is a shit who wants her to and her boss is pregnant so at first you kind of sympathize with her like oh you know she's going through some stuff too but just that just her tone and the way she talks to ginger is like just does not give a shit that this girl no, is I going know. through chemotherapy and so walks out, flips her the double deuce and out she goes and she's super happy about it until Brie reminds her that you have rent and bills to pay so now what are you going to do? Yeah. And none of the other jobs she's been applying for to get out of the boutique have turned into anything so she winds up moving in with Brie seems like a good idea will <laughs> prove to not be maybe but they tried. Now we get to the head shaving scene, which is some wild shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost nervous to talk to you about this. <laughs> you can talk um, to me about it. I, I, that's not the hardest scene for me. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. You can talk to me about it. I'm just wondering how much act, because this is, again, watch the movie, please, everyone. But th this isn't like, oh, they go into the bathroom and then the next scene, she has no hair. We watch you in real time get your fucking head shaved. <laughs> Ben's doing the honors and I have to imagine how much acting is even not to downplay your art but <laughs> how much acting is even required for a scene like that where because much like and this gets into the mastectomy stuff later a lot of what the at least what the world has put on women what what is your outward femininity it's your hair and your breasts right and you're going to lose both of those things so even like just how I'm more I'm saying this all terribly I think but no keep going <laughs> how much how much acting is even required for a scene where you are having your head for real life shaved on camera that has to be slightly traumatic and you know yeah a lot of, a lot of that crying had to have been very genuine I imagine yeah um well I have a lot to say on that I I think that I'm personally me I've changed my hair every which way in my life. 
so I did have to really care about my hair, you know, like that wasn't something that normal Susan would bat an eye over. If I, if I had to go get my head shaved for something fun, right. I would be like, whatever, let's go life short. Cause I, yeah, I had long, short, everything, but I knew that it was important to the story to really have a relationship and an identity really enveloped in my hair and what it means to be feminine. I myself am a non-binary person who does not like my boobs, which is a very complicated thing that I've had to work through since this film. But I knew that this mattered. This mattered to Melissa. This matters to women who do identify with their bodies, who do want to be seen as beautiful, who do find their power in something that so many people would probably like be like, well, it's just hair. And it's complicated because I'll be vulnerable with you. I, I had this one person who came all the way from Florida to see the film. And this was when Melissa was alive. And and she she I remember she said to me, she came up after she held my hand because she had, I think she had stage four cancer and she was just thanking me. You know, you never forget moments like that. And she was just holding my hand for a very long time, saying nothing. And I was like, oh, I have to be here for this person. I I am just, this is my job right now is to be here. And she said, when we, when I shaved my head, I, it was fun. And I, that stuck with me because I'm like, did I represent everyone's experience in the way that it deserved to be? I mean, I was a young actor and I, I was, you know, now I'm a, a little less hard on myself for what comes, but what will come will, will come is basically now how I live, but through the work. But I remember still, I still in my gut know that I did the right thing because that was what Melissa had red hair. That's the story. It's called Ginger. It's the loss of I'm not sick, the denial. It's the loss of I look in the mirror and I know it's real, you know? So that's, I, I remember the day before shooting. I was so nervous for this, by the way. I cried to people in public on trains. You know, this one guy texted me after he's like, how'd it go? Cause I was so scared for this scene. I was really scared for the head shave scene, but I, I just sat in my room alone and I just looked at it, you know? I mean, that was prep work. Like, like yes, there's, there's a lot of not acting in it, but I, I do have to say that you have to prepare. Like if I was not an actor, right? If I was a normal person who did not know the storytelling skills, right? Who knows what the fuck they would have done in that scene. But because I had experience with improvisation, I have experience being on camera, I had experience just being a storyteller, all of that accumulated into what you saw. So yes, there, there's a skill to letting go. I think that is literally what acting is. It's creation and letting go. And that's what it becomes. And I think that there is acting involved. I think that listening to Melissa is a part of the process of listening to how much her hair matters to her, how much her feminine body matters to her, mattered to her. Like all of that goes into that and making it important and making it matter to me. You know, does that? Yeah. So I do the... think there is acting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I had it completely backwards. It's not, Susan didn't care about her hair really at all, but it's, but it's, yeah, but Ginger does. The, her so much of her identity is wrapped up in her hair. It's the, it's her literal name. It's the name of the movie. Like right, yeah. You know? and it's so like, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. You knew that that was going to get a long answer. That scene. 
No, and that's what I wanted because it's such. I think that it's it's a very Keystone scene. I'm, I have to imagine it's a scene a lot of people walk away from that movie, and that's the one that sticks in their head because you don't you don't see that on film a lot, you know. So yeah, they usually cut around it or you know, oh the next day, but actually watching again. Who, who it's else have we seen it's, it? It's told from Melissa's perspective, you know, and that's a part of it. Like it's not just like I, I saw other people. So Molly Shannon's like my hero. And I think other people came out this summer. We, we saw it or it was after, I don't remember when, I just remember Molly Shannon was in a, a like a, a cancer film in the same summer that I was doing Ginger. And I was like, oh, my hero's doing it too. Cause she's my hero. I love her. She's like, I love her. But, um, you know, like that movie is about Jesse, Jesse Plemons character. It's not about Molly. And Molly's the one who can't talk. And but, but we don't watch her. We watch him break down in the grocery store, which is important. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that you saw the head shave because of who was telling the story. Right. You know? I only have one other hair question. Uh, one assumes, because, you know, most times movies are shot out of order. Scenes, are, you know, everybody knows that. But for something like this, I have to imagine you, sh- you had to shoot all of the stuff when you had hair first. And all the yeah. stuff after your head was shaved. Second, was there any sort of like, oh shit, we have to reshoot something? Did you? Is there? Are there any scenes where you have a wig of your um, own to no, look like you was, again? You know? There was one scene we shot where they wrapped my hair in a in a scarf and hid it, and it looks like I'm bald. Okay, but there's no mistakes. They knew that that was like probably a huge part of pre production was being sure. like, we can't make this mistake. <laughs> yeah, no reshoots allowed. Yeah, once you pull the trigger, there's no. And it all, but also in real life, once you because you don't know what your head shape is until it's too late. <laughs> I know. I was like miraculously like well rounded. <laughs> yeah, you got a good. You have a good a good head for it. But not everybody know. does. Not everybody does, and you don't know until it's too late. So yeah, I didn't know until that moment. So woohoo! <laughs> Ginger sees the doctor again. The chemo is not getting the job done necessarily. So it's next step is mastectomy, and she understandably has a a bit of a breakdown and running down the hallway like she's hot she's taking her sweater off or her jacket off like i'm so hot like when you feel that intense emotion and you're like yeah it's good stuff it's good stuff i feel it's very i everyone involved you included did a good job i think of represent again i've never gone through this stuff either and i luckily don't have any in my life who has but it feels very authentic and lived in and you never, there's no scenes where I question like, is that how someone react? Like every every beat is like, yeah, that feels like a genuine reaction to that situation, <laughs> you know. So, so bravo to everyone. Ginger comes home, uh, drowning her sorrows again. <laughs> Ruins Bree's mm-hmm. date. Bree has a has a, a nice young lady over. Things are looking like they're going pretty well, and Ginger just plops herself down on the sofa and fucks it all up. And Bree has had it. Well, this isn't. Her final straw is the next morning, but I think it's really interesting that this, because it is very centered on Ginger, but I think an important aspect that those other movies you're talking about try to hit at, but don't necessarily land on exactly, is the effect it has on your loved ones and caregivers, not in like, oh, we're sad, like, oh, we're sad about this, but the fact that you have become, or Ginger has become, one, because she's exhausted from chemotherapy and sick all the time, but B, because she is letting it get to her and wallowing in depression has become a fucking burden to her friend. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, and a real yeah. pain in her ass. And it's you're you're not allowed to say that though. You have to, but I like that this movie lets and you side, you kind of side with well, you see both sides, but you do side with Bree to an extent that, like, yeah, I get it. Like, you're not being an asshole right now. You're not asking too much. You're, you know, you want her to get up and take a shower so she's not wallowing in her own filth all day. Eat like a normal person. Don't steal mm -hmm. my food from the fridge. Don't come in and fuck up my date. I haven't had a date in so long. And on top of that, you bring some rando back here and you have a date. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, you know, I know yeah. you're sick. I know you're sick, but my God, <laughs> give me something, you know? And I think that's really cool that it shows that that's allowed. You're allowed to have those feelings because it's hard in a lot of ways, not just in a sorrow way. Yeah, it's complicated. It's human. It's complex. Yeah. And honestly, that's so relatable. Like, so relatable. Like, I, my goodness, you know, like, I also like that it, it kind of shows, I think it shows like how Melissa probably learned that she needs to take care of her mental health too. You know, there's like a responsibility on that end, if that makes sense. I can't speak for her, but I felt like I've heard her say that, that like my cousin said the same thing as you, where it's like, you need to take care of your fucking self. Like, like people will take care of you, but like, there's a certain extent where you, you can't be an asshole. And I actually, I, I, I agree with that. It's yeah. But all around, it sucks for everybody. Let's just say it. It's fuck one, two, three, fuck cancer. <laughs> Yeah, fuck cancer. But yeah, you're allowed to, the person who is sick needs to keep in mind that they are, they are going through it, certainly, but they are, the people around them are going through it too, especially the people closest to the, the people they're living with, the people who are mm -hmm. waiting on them hand and foot all day and dealing with their depression, dealing with their moods, dealing with whatever, and to take it easy on them too and not make them any more resentful than they need to be you know that's yeah important. I think that well so this is going to be a sidebar and you can edit it wherever but um Melissa and Jimmy before she passed away they they were writing a sequel and are and Jimmy is continuing to write the sequel oh, wow. and it's it, it's going to be based around like Ginger finding having found love having gotten married getting it again um and then passing away and it's about like, cause Jimmy, you know, they were just the perfect match, you know, like just a beautiful couple and just like wonderful. Um, and now he's, you know, having to live through the grief of losing Melissa. And that's just as, and what you're saying is that's just as important of a story. Like we, we've given space, you know, for Melissa to really say her experience. And I think that you know, before she passed away, she really wanted to show Jimmy's part of it all and how important he is. And like, does that make sense? Like it just, which is also why I'm just grateful. I get to also be a part of that story we're going to tell. And even though I'm not going to be in the whole thing, I'm going to be, you know, at the beginning. And, but I just, it's all so important, you know? And I think what you're speaking to is the space that everyone is given. Like everyone's given a complex reaction to a chaotic universe situation, yeah. you know? For sure. Well, I can't wait for that. I had no idea that was in the works. Um, yeah. I, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Ginger does, she's kind of cut off communication with Ben, who feels like he would be an easy, and you'll have to tell me because I'm, I'm a stupid guy, so maybe I'm misreading this next couple scenes and you can clear me up but it seems to me that 
Ginger has a sense of like, I'm about to lose my breasts. Someone should enjoy these one more time. And I should also enjoy them one more time. So I'm going to have this drunken hookup. And I, but I don't want it to be with Ben because he's my friend and that's going to fuck things up and complicate things. That's too much. So I'm just going to go meet some random dude at a bar and get this out of the way because they're going to be gone soon. And wouldn't it be nice if like one more person got to like appreciate them? <laughs> that was kind of my take on it, but we don't, that's never said. So I don't know. Maybe I, that's just stupid. I guy, mean, if guy I were to thought, say anything on that interpretation, just remember that she's the owner of said boobies and it's more about her pleasure than his pleasure. Yeah, I, uh, I said that too. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm clarifying for right. everyone listening. That's the right. that's the perspective. But yes. I will, I, you know, it's funny. I did not even think that when I was telling this story. I I was thinking more of like of someone like I I I think you're interpreting it in a way that I maybe would now that I'm older and a more experienced actor or more like trying to look at scripts from a I don't know how to say it, a third top, like a god's eye view. Down. Yes. Yeah, like what's the storytelling what's you know you know I have a better I mean this was my first feature so I was learning as I went I looked at it and approached it as someone who was self-sabotaging because okay nothing was their body was killing them right their body's not working they're not good there's something wrong with them right and it's just seeking anyone to tell them that they're good enough that it's just like external, external drinking sex, like, please, someone tell me I'm okay. And everything isn't. So I saw that as more of like, a part of the, because I always saw the arc as like, a the slow mental health deterioration of ginger until she has to really confront it and work on on just rearranging and reframing her thought processes. I always felt like that was the story, slowly go spiraling. So I felt like that moment was a part of the spiral of like, I need to feel okay. Nothing's okay. I need something. I need, I need, I need, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. That, that was what I felt. But I, I do also like the way you interpreted that. Like, I'm like, oh man, I could have thought of that too. <laughs> I, I figured it was either that or kind of a like, cause all she does is sit around all day and stare at the ceiling. Cause she's too tired to move and too sick to move. That it could also be of just like, I just want to feel something. I feel nothing. I'm hollowed out and empty, you know, and what's, that's a good thing to feel. So there's like, yeah. So there's three different there's so many takes options. here on it and they're yeah, all they're valid and good. Yeah. That's that's movie magic, right? Mm-hmm. But this fella, cause she has a wig at this point, a curly blonde wig. Oh God, this scene. <laughs> and, uh, this scene her wig, we've already seen her wig uh, come off during like a job interview and during yoga and it, freaks her out obviously and she can't deal with it she runs away but yeah they're making out and her wig falls off and she kind of retreats into herself and a good on him for not freaking out losing his shit he's like hey you know that's cool but then b not cool because he's way too into it he's like kissing on your bald head and i was very uncomfortable i was like this guy's got something going on i know doing it for him in a way that no one cares for Melissa's humor is like, what's the craziest thing that would happen in a hookup situation if you have cancer? Because she would wear the the wig in the film that I was wearing was the one she wore all the time when she oh, first wow. did chemo. So she was probably playing at like those old like, because I think she was seeing Jimmy, I believe, when she first like the first run of chemo, but like 
she's probably imagining was imagining like what if I had been single and what if like I was trying to wear this wig and the person didn't know I had cancer and it fell off and like that's that's just like the the humor of it it's just it's cool yeah because the only thing worse than oh no my chemo wig fell off when I was making out with this dude I don't know the only thing worse than that is <laughs> he's super into it now that's you don't want that no <laughs> that's bad news so yeah but she does wind up bringing him or I guess she had already brought him it's breeze that this is happening yet, so yeah and then she eats breeze expensive gelato from the fridge and as someone with teenagers in his house I I understand this feeling I came home the other night expecting to eat bratwurst and it was gone I'm so sorry teenagers but ginger's very much behaving like a teenager or a child at this point yeah and it's the last straw for brie who's like i just wanted to fucking come home from work or i'm working double duty now because you left like i'm the only other person working at the boutique now probably making food for us you're living here rent free you fucked up my date then brought somebody else here and all i wanted was to come home and eat this goddamn gelato (laughs) and you ate it and now i have to go back out to the store and get some and they have a big blow up fight and but and what's beautiful about it is you see both sides because she's kind of taking it a bit far and maybe screaming at the cancer patient a bit too much and you feel for ginger but you also 100 percent see Bree's point of view that like ginger is really taking her depression and self-loathing out on other people like actively and it's not that's not cool either like so you see both sides and it's really effective and it helps that the actress um megan flood flood i was gonna say yes is also very good so i know everybody all around that's her scene i was like megan hats off to megan so she winds up doing the last thing she wanted to do which is but again, you have nowhere else to go. Who do you turn to? You turn to your mom. It doesn't yeah. matter how old you are, you know, unless there's been some rift and you, your mom is, you know, persona non grata yeah. in your life. You're always going to want your mom, you know? So mm-hmm. she moves moves back in with mom. It all works out. They Brie and, and F, once uh, some therapy has been had for Ginger. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, which that's important. Kind of figure some things out. Does get a, a reunion with Brie and Ben, who she shut out of her life at Brie's improv show, I guess. Yeah. And they reunite and hug it out. And so everybody's fine again. And then we have a great, another great scene, which if I read the one interview I could find with you, I believe is your favorite scene, the boob shopping scene. I love that scene. (laughs) It's great. It's Brie and Ginger sitting on the beach watching women come out of the ocean in bikinis and going, Eh, I don't know about those. Oh, those are nice. But when I get, you know, after the mastectomy and I do cosmetic reconstruction of my breast, those, those, like, those are good ones. That's like a second page. Like, boob shopping. It's such an interesting. I've never seen that in a movie before. That's an that actually did happen in real life. That uh, Bree's based off of Melissa's friend Thursa, who she, I think, believe I believe they met at Starbucks. I think I'm correct on that. Thursa, you can say if I'm not, if you're listening. But they did that in the park. That's they, that's something they actually did. So the 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 love you have for that is probably the honesty and the truth that it is something that they did, because it's just like, I mean, it makes it fun, <laughs> like you know, it makes yeah. it more fun than being like, just you know, there's a complexity in everything. You're gonna feel everything all at once, and uh, yeah, that's why I like that scene a lot. 
Yeah, well, it could have been a scene of like here we're at the doctor's office and the doctor's showing you on a dummy or pictures of like it could look like this yeah. or this. Take your pick. That's you know that's a very clinical and that probably happens too. But yeah, there's a lightness and especially after it's been so heavy for so long, mm-hmm. to have this yeah it's a fun scene of that clearly could and did happen. Yeah, oh, it's it's a fun scene. I need new boobs. Who should I look at? This one. Oh, that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Then Ginger does go in for the mastectomy. The same nurse who is there, or the same nurse who was kind of brushing her off at the beginning and telling her, you know, you're too young for an x-ray. I can't give you radiation like that. Is her nurse again and tells Ginger, like, it's lucky that I met you because I told, I have two daughters your age who would never even think of this. I never thought of this. But after what happened to you, I told them to check themselves. And one of my daughters has discovered that she has thyroid cancer and that she wouldn't have found that. I wouldn't have thought to have to tell her to even look for that if I hadn't met you. So thank you. So Ginger has like inadvertently helped save someone else's real life. life. That happened in real life. I'm sure it did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Melissa said that happened in real life with a nurse. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then it ends on a note of Ginger talking about living versus surviving. You know, you can live through something, but not survive it mentally. Like, or even or also just now, okay, you have a second chance at living, but don't just live. You were just living before. You were working at this shit job you didn't like. Or that's just surviving. I had it backwards, sorry. I can word it for you so it please easy to do. Um, the line is, I don't just want to wake up to survive. I want to wake up to live. And um, I think that's, so before we started shooting, Ginger had a different, just a different ending. I don't, I never read that version, but right when we, like when I was getting cast and they were going to start shooting, she got diagnosed as stage four. So all of the therapy scenes she edit she wrote herself after being diagnosed. So like those are her own words, her own experiences, and her own reasons for being the the filmmaker or the storyteller she is and why she did it. I think that is ultimately like maybe what she was learning as we were filming and or wanting when as we were filming, you know, is like you can either she I mean she was doing everything like she was working for she's teaching a classes classes to like these kids and teaching them filmmaking while we were shooting the film so I think it was like I'm gonna embrace life um because once you get diagnosed with stage four you always have cancer um which is why like I'll shout out the breasties which I think is a group it is a group Melissa was a part of and it just focuses on you know stage four cancer and how that needs more research and stuff because like most of the research goes to like stage one and stage two and then that they're kind of left in the dust because like oh you'll never not have it but you know it's important too yeah i'm I'm glad you said that i was going to save it till the end but i'll just i'll do it now uh anybody who's a regular listener to this show knows i don't have a patreon i do this for free because i like to do it i've never asked you for a dime think of all the times you've enjoyed my show for free and I've never once mentioned a Patreon at all. When you're done with this episode, the money that you could have and would have <laughs> given me for my non-existent Patreon, 
There are a number of places you can go. If you have it, $5, $10, $20, whatever you have. BrattonFoundation.com, National Breast Cancer Foundation, Living Beyond Breast Cancer, Breast Cancer Research Foundation, BreastCancer.org, American Cancer Society, Young Survivor Coalition, and the Susan G. Komen Foundation are all fantastic places that you could and should, if you love me, if you even like me, <laughs> if you got some shekels handy, you know, send them that way. I don't need it. Other people do. So do that as a favor to me. And that's all I'll say about that. And that's, uh, that's Ginger. Uh, a great movie. And I have some other pieces of business to get to at the end here, but any last thoughts for you on, on I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts, but the movie or, or anything we've talked about, final, final thoughts on your part. Watch it. <laughs> Why yeah, not watch it. watch it? I feel like that's the reason we made it. So people feel less alone. And I just think that that's why stories are told. And so this is a very important one. And I'm not even saying that because I'm in it. Like, you know, it's not about me. Just that's why we made it for it to be watched. So, yeah. Definitely. And I would say I'm not in it. And I would say, go watch it. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of times this show is like, let me, I'll, I'll walk you through this movie and make fun of it. So you don't have to watch it because it's oh, really? yeah. bunk. It's garbage, you know, not always, but sometimes. But oh, wait, I have one yeah, must definitely go watch this. Okay. Watch out for Ginger 2. I don't know what it'll be called because Ginger 2 is pretty generic, but <laughs> definitely we're we're fundraising for it. And we already have been fundraising for it. And what's that actor's name that he wants to be in it? I'm gonna call him out and you can tag him and he'll never listen to this. But if he does, it's Steve from Stranger Things, and I've got to find his name. Hold on. You can edit. Oh, Steve Joe Carey. Is that his name? Or Kiri? Joe Kiri? He's a Chicago actor. And Jimmy wants him to play the the character based off Jimmy and Ginger too. All right. And so is his name. What was his name? Wait, hold I on. <laughs> I think it's Joe Kiri. Joe Kiri. Let's see. I think so. Joe Kiri. Yeah. I mean, I went to a Twitter. No, that's a different guy. Who's that guy? Who plays, hold on, you're going to edit out me looking. Who plays? I, I don't know if I will. <laughs> yeah, do whatever you want. Harrington, Steve, Stranger Things. Oh, you're so right, it is Joe Curie. I misspelled it. Joe Curie, be in this movie. And you know what? I'm going to tag you all up in this podcast. I'm going to send it to you. I was even thinking about sending him a message on my own and blowing him up until he said yes, because you cannot say no to this shit. If you're a storyteller and you're able to do this kind of work, it's not about you. It's about everyone. It's just, it's important. And so screw fucking stranger things. No offense to you stranger thing heads out there. I like it too. But in the long run, what's more fucking important? <laughs> like, let's be honest. Anyway, end of my speech. No, that's fair. I was, I, Jimmy, way to shoot the moon there. <laughs> no, he, we're gonna, uh, no shooting the moon. The bullseye is in front of us and we're going to get it because he literally the person who took my headshots took his headshots. We got ends. We got ways. I hope you what do. That, that would put more, eyes, put more eyes on it. Doing her so, magic, you know? I would be all for that. Where can people find you, social media, and places? and things uh, okay 
So I have an Instagram called Susan Gordon Actor. I just made a TikTok because I've I'm I mean I know I'm young but I'm older so TikTok scares me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> terrifying. I mean I'm only thirty but this shit is scary. Oh, I just opened it. Sorry, I f- forgot what my TikTok name is because I just made it at the Susan Gordon Actor. Okay. Um, and then I am making my website which will be called www.susangordonactor.com. I would, I would hope so. <laughs> well, it's almost done. So yeah. <laughs> so everybody go look for that. I'm imagining you are a fun follow. I just followed you on TikTok like, earlier today. So, so sorry. There's nothing on there. Like no, no, you'll I- get there. You'll get there. <sighs> God, slowly. I hate TikTok. Yeah, me too. But we do we do what we got to do to pimp ourselves out, right? Yeah. Before I do my socials, I forgot uh, a, a very important part of this episode, which is where I press the magic button to see what next week's movie, chosen completely at random from everything streaming, will be. Uh, pressing the magic button now. Next week's movie is "So I Married an Axe Murderer" from wow. 1993. <laughs> yeah, a Mike Myers joint, which for my money. Is better than any of those Austin Powers movies. I know people uh, don't like so, Mar- so I Married an Axe Murderer. I do. So that'll be fun to talk about. Uh, oh, shit. Where is that streaming for everyone? So they can do their homework. That is on HBO Max. So, yeah. So I Married an Axe Murderer from 1993 on HBO Max is next week's movie. Uh, I am at Heath Lambert 78 on Twitter. The show is at That's a Random P2. The show has an email address, that's a random pod at gmail.com for your questions, complaints, things of that nature. Where else is the show? Some form or other, that's a random pod, that's a random, that's a random podcast on TikTok, Slasher, Hive, Mastodon. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, because my Instagram is just for my toddlers. So that's all I've got. And I, I was, ending's always awkward. I always feel like I have other things to say, but then I don't. Oh, artwork for the show by Joe Humphrey, who is at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter and Slasher. Look at his cool stuff. And that'll do it for me. Anything else to say? I don't have anything else to say. Well, thank you very, very much for your time. And thank you for your part in this movie. It's wonderful. Everyone go watch it. Remember me and let me know when Ginger 2 is happening because I'm or Ginger 2 Electric Boo. We should brainstorm titles now. Electric Boogaloo. I don't know. Well, Melissa <laughs> wanted it to be ghosted before she passed away, but I never really liked the title. Yeah, I don't know if I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know like, Jimmy like you do, but I, I don't know if I see him going with that. I just like the thing is, it's like that's so last year, you know what I mean? Like ghosted is like I people get, you know, it was when it was relevant in the meme, but anyway. plus there's probably eight. Melissa's well, probably gonna haunt me tonight and say It'll be on your bathroom mirror, ghosted. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, if you gotta be haunted, that's a pretty pleasant one. Anyway, that got weird. Thank you, thank you very much, Susan Gordon, for taking time this evening to speak with me. And uh, yeah, everybody, go donate to one or more of those places that I listed. This is important shit. I think that's it. On behalf of myself and Miss Susan Gordon, have a great week. And we'll see you back here for So I Married an Axe Murderer. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.